Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential, and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I am your host, Mindy Harley. And I want to thank you guys for joining me on this very special episode, Blast from the Past. I am getting reunited with my old high school teacher, former mayor of my hometown, Dauphin, Manitoba. He is a retired MP and Chinese immigrant to Canada who has a lot to say about Trudeau, Trump, the World Economic Forum. Conservative Party of Canada, the Liberals, he lays it all out. And it was a real blast bouncing off all these different ideas, hypotheses, world events uh, with each other and having this conversation. It's a long one. Didn't want to keep this going too long. We could have done an even longer episode, but you might have to tune in for a future one because I feel like there's going to be more to say on another episode for sure. But, you know, I just want to say regardless of who you voted for, that sort of thing like that. This is a really great episode just to listen to, you know, expand your mind, get some different viewpoints, which is really great for me because I've been out of Canada for quite some time and I really wanted to kind of catch up on what's been going on there and, of course, get his his perspective on these events, these world events, because like I said, he's very outspoken. If you go to his Twitter, uh, he really doesn't hold anything back and there's some, uh, some, some really good bombs uh, in this episode that you're going to want to uh, tune into. So I thank you again for joining me on this episode. And I also want to give a shout out to our sponsors for this episode today. 416 Tactical Supply, Toronto's biggest and best tactical supply store. Coming soon, they've got your six located on 222 Islington Avenue in Toronto, Ontario. They are the official 511 Canada Retailer. You can find them in Toronto. Find them on Instagram at 416 Tactical Supply. And also Rock Solid Nutrition coming at you with a brand new release. No artificial flavors, no artificial colors, revamped, got it going on. New Honey Lemon Green Tea, EAA Pump, New Cosmic Rush Pre-Pump, New Maple Cinnamon French Toast, Whey isosynthesis going on now for a pre-sale save 30 to 40 percent off at rocksolidnutrition.com thank you friends for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this episode here we go Locked down here for the last three weeks i think numbers have gone down substantially mm-hmm. uh but uh, they're going to con- i just noticed on there today they're going to continue it till almost the end of january uh, yeah, I saw that as well. And Quebec, too, I believe, is going into Yeah, Quebec country. is really, numbers are horrible. And, and Ontario, too. Ontario said they're going to continue a curfew, too. And Quebec started a curfew, which people are not very happy. But what are you going to do when the numbers are that big, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and having this chat with me, I, I feel like this is going to be a really big 
catch up for me uh, from what's been going on in Canada. I I left Canada around 2013. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, grow, growing growing up in, in Dawson, um, you know, you were you were a big inspiration. You were a, you were a, you know the, probably the the town's most beloved man. I I feel anyway in, in my personal opinion and in the schools. Everyone, everyone loved um, going to your to to class, and everyone loved seeing you. Or whenever you'd uh, come in for a visit, and you know, it was it was really it was it was really inspiring to to, to have someone like yourself, um, you know, growing up and having that um, person to look up to. That you you just changed the energy of the room, you know. And well, the, the, well, the key is to treat people properly. That's that's the whole story of life. You know, if everybody gets treats each other properly, you know, then and be kind and compassionate. Uh, that's probably the first thing that people forget about when they're dealing with people, they're, because most people tend to be selfish, and you know that. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they, it's uh, well, I look at Trump down in the states, and and uh, and similarly, the Trudeau's basically, you know, cut out of the same cloth. He's selfish, narcissistic, and it's all about him, and he's forgotten about what democracy is all about, so. Yeah, and yeah. you're, you know, you're, uh, you're a former member of the House of Commons of Canada, and, yeah. you know, you're, you're a member of the Conservative Party, but you, right. you were always, you were always, you know, a really, really big critic of Stephen Harper back then. Always fighting with the leadership, other than Preston Manning, always fought with the, the leadership, even Stockwell Day, all of them, because they all had screwy ideas, and their biggest problem was they want to control all the time, control everything and everybody. And I couldn't stomach the policies they would put in place that would damage the people at home, because I've always believed and I've always said that my bosses are the people at home. They're not the, the political party, the political leadership, and I've always said that. I stuck mm-hmm. to my guns and I voted the same way. That's why Harper couldn't wait to kick me out of caucus if he could. <laughs> uh, he, he he did that. Actually, when he became the leader of the opposition, he came to this riding and, you know, he couldn't even find people to, to meet with him. In fact, when he uh, he came to Robin and the folks in Robin told me, first thing that came out of his mouth was, you have to get rid of A.K. Mark, you know. We don't need people like him. Well, there you go. So what happened <laughs> after that was that most of them quit. They quit the party. Yeah. And he, and he came to Dauphin. They had to give away tickets. Nobody would buy them to, to meet him. They had to give away enough tickets. I think he had maybe less than 100 people show up. This is the leader of the opposition. Oh, wow. Because uh, he was, the people, the membership knew that he was anti-Yankee all the time. Yeah. And, and basically that's what created the, the situation where when I retired, I gave them a good year in advance notice so they, we would have a, you know, a very good uh, nomination process. He decided mm-hmm. no. He, he told the folks in Ottawa, and I, I heard from them, so we don't need another Yankee on the Hill. And that's what happened. He just appointed the guy that replaced me, you know, well, and it's, basically, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like they didn't want uh, anyone to question 
their that's, authority. <laughs> that's basically what it comes down to. They, anyway, yeah. they want anybody to question them about what they're doing. So basically, so 800 members that we had in the in the writing at that time basically were out in the cold. Didn't have a say. Wow. And I, and I still and I still tweet that once in a while. I still tell people what he was like, and then and then I, and then I basically ran. You know, during the next election, I wasn't going to, but I did anyway. But it also showed me what people are really like. Uh, you know, you can. You can give your life to them, and they'll still vote against you. That's just mm. the way people are. Mm. And I think you know, and, and it's good that you remind you remind people because I think too often people forget. People forget all, our all past. The time. People forget our history. People forget, yeah. um, you know, the where we've come from. And yeah. and I and it's, and I think in this day and age too, where there's so many distractions. Uh, between work, working overtime, social media, yeah. news, that is very easy for news and current events to be forgotten. I think there's already news and current events that were, well, not current events, but current events from, you know, 2020 that happened in March that things were coming to light that people have already forgotten about already. Oh. You know? Give and, them a, I, yeah, within 24 hours, you know, the news cycle is basically 24 hours. Within 24 hours, most of you have forgotten what took place the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just and, I, and the same thing with the uh, the uh, incarceration of uh, large groups of people like like Trump did with with the uh, you know splitting up the Mexican families and all this stuff. Well, that is basically no different than the internment of the Ukrainians in Canada. I mean, basically they threw them mm-hmm. in jail. Mm-hmm. So I remind people continually of. A lot of the bleak moments in Canadian history, whether it's the Japanese or the Chinese or the or the Ukrainian folks or the blacks uh, or the Irish, I mean, Canadians do not know their history at all. You know, so. unfortunately, unfortunately not. And that's been it's been something that I found, um, you know, really interesting. Obviously, growing up in Canada, uh, I think we always prided ourselves on knowing a lot about the world knowing a lot yeah. about the United States. I, you know, there'd be shows and they would ask Americans about their own history on TV and they wouldn't be able to answer and Canadians would be able to answer and Canadians would be made fun of for living in igloos and whatnot. Yeah. But yet um, they always kind of pined at and kind of looked at the United States at, you know, the, these hungry eyes and, and longing and wanting to go there and spending and money and things are so much cooler in the United States and always kind of looked at looked at the United States with envy in a, in a sense. But when I find when shit hits the fan here in the United States, Canada is very quick to say things like, Oh, there's a meth lab underneath us. And while that might be well and true, it might look like that definitely from, you know, the media's perspective and, and looking at that. But I can say living here in the United States. Um, and I think part of that here in the United States is that everyone's kind of working and doing their own thing, but they don't really pay attention to the rest of the world and, and or care to really bother about, you know, learning about maybe necessarily Canada and, and whatnot. And when Canada goes and says, oh, yeah, there's a lot of corruption and everything, they forget to realize their own history and who's right. in there <laughs> sitting in the seats in, in Ottawa. Um, and, and I think uh, for yourself, being that, you know, you are, you are a third, third generation, 
Uh, no, I, I am actually not even a first generation. I, I'm actually immigrant. I'm third generation by immigration because yeah. my grandfather came here, worked on the railroad, TR Railroad, lucky to survive that. And then my dad came uh, as a young as a young adolescent uh, in 1922 before the uh, before the internment was or not the internment the exclusion act was passed in 1923 was excluded all the all I didn't realize that till later on it wasn't just the Chinese excluded they ex- Canada excluded all Asians from immigrating to Canada or coming to Canada from 1923 to 1947. Canadians don't know that. All Asians, anybody from Asia could not come here for all that period of time until it was uh, repealed in 1947. The Liberals put that in and they repealed it in 47. So I'm actually third generation immigrant. I came here here as a six-year-old in 1955. Didn't know a word of English, didn't know anything. And that's 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 my history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's your yeah. your history, and you you lived it, and you were you know on the front line, so to speak, with um you know ch- making that change, you know, right. and, and helping and helping that um you know and your you said your mom was um uh you accompanied your mom when she yeah. uh, when you when you uh, fled from China, um and you, yeah. you ended up in Manitoba. Did you ever think that? You know, we'd be seeing Canada, we'd be seeing the world, um, the state, the state of the world um, that it's in right now, and what we're and what we're seeing um, happening. You know, you, you you recently tweeted about the uh, World Economic Forum. Did you ever think that right. this day? Did you ever think this day would come? No, I I don't think. Maybe down the road, we because history repeats itself all the time. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, great nations, you know, become great and then they, they lose their greatness and somebody else takes over. But I would never think that someone would plan to take over the world. But the rich have always done that. The, whether we're fighting World War One, World War Two, or any other war, the rich always finances the wars. So if you look at it uh, logically, historically, it, make, it makes sense that this, this the reset thing uh, the billionaire want to take over the world. It makes sense, and I, I still believe that maybe the flu was created created to create the problems that we have today. Because it really is just another flu. Because the flu is a coronavirus. The only one, the only problem is this one is more dangerous and more dangerous to older people like myself. Yeah. Uh, it makes no sense because when I ask the question, why don't we keep stats on flu deaths? Right. Well, yeah. they don't do that. Yeah. Why, why yeah. is it? I mean, why not? I mean, it, it don't make any sense. Yeah. So it's, why it's, is everything under under COVID? I mean. Yeah, and and now I mean, it's like, oh well, flu. There's surprisingly no no flu. De- there's no flu reported. There really ain't flu reported. There, there is oh, no flu. <laughs> that's impossible. You know? Yeah, and it's and it's something like you said. They're you know created to possibly created to do this, and and that's something that I don't doubt either and it really makes me wonder as well because it's definitely it definitely does seem to be an attack on our on our seniors for for me you know with the the cramming of um you know the the sick into the the, the nursing yeah. homes that that has happened here 
um, the fact that uh, they're now pushing, you know, this, it's said that, you know, the, the, the flu shot itself actually kind of aggravates uh, the coronavirus and this other flu shot, and they're urging, of course, you know, all the senior homes to start getting, the, they're urging them to increase their flu shots. I know I had read that on the Manitoba Health uh, website, and then with the, the, <laughs> the, the switching over to the you know, if they say if they if they collapse the uh, the financial system and it goes digital and all this these digital passes, you know, my dad my dad's 84. He he's doing pretty good okay. on on his on his banking and stuff like that. But I can't imagine a society where all of a sudden everything's gone digital, and our <laughs> and our seniors are, are are left out in the cold, so to speak. And you know, like yeah, yeah. they are they are already because as you know, governments uh, are all gone digital. Uh, everything is on the internet, uh, and I mean, uh, DOF is a good example where probably almost half the people here are senior citizens, and uh, a lot of them are not very literate when it comes to using computers. So mm-hmm. they are out in the cold on uh, almost everything because it's at the point now where everything is going to be driven, you know, through the internet. And yeah. you bring up an interesting point about money because uh, one thing I do not agree with is this uh, cashless society uh, option because, again, it's it's the key to control the whole world, basically, the push of a button. And is that it, we're at the point now, even with the banks, I know a number of times I've gone to the bank and wanted to withdraw, you know, large sums of cash. They don't have it. <laughs> they just don't. And I have to wait for two weeks to, to for them to deliver, you know, cash. And they all really? say, well, what do you want? It? I, yeah, it's all the banks are the same. Wow. Uh, I, I and the other thing is, you know, you put money into a bank, well, you get nothing back. You know, uh, basically, uh, I'll give you an example. A couple of summers ago, I took thirty thirty thousand and put it in the Bank of Montreal, and they, they split it. They put it one in GIC, the other one in a tax-free account. Well, the interest mm-hmm. was something like well, $10, basically. I mean, there's no point. So yeah. So what's the point of leaving the money in the bank when the interest is, is next or almost zero? I mean, pretty soon, as you've heard already in, in Europe, if there's negative interest, you pay the bank basically for them to keep your money, which is even more ridiculous. But yeah, so I encourage older people. I said, and I don't trust the, the financial system, as you know, they get hacked too, just like everybody else. And mm-hmm. I always encourage uh, seniors. I said, if you have a large sum of money, I said, take it, take it out, take, put it, you know, get a good safe or take it out and take it home because your cash is worth nothing in the bank. Yeah. So why take the risk of losing the whole thing? And, and yeah. actually the way the legislation is, they can they can actually uh, take money out of your account, actually. So what, things are really changing fast. Too. Yeah. And what have I been hearing? News clips here and there. Um, you know, there's so much news. I try to keep my, my, my finger on the pulse of the news going on in Canada uh, and in the United States, but I've been seeing a lot of these posts here and there about uh, some members of Parliament or some financial. Uh, I, I'm not sure their their positions because uh, again, I, I sometimes when I'm on, I work online a lot, so I, I tend to scan some headlines when I'm working, and I'll try to come back to them later. 
I wonder if you can give me some information. They're, they're talking about asking people to uh, give up their savings? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the the uh, Deputy Prime Minister Freeland uh, says that we actually have uh, uh, one of the larger saving uh, populations in the world because we're $1.4 trillion on the whole, which I believe is 55.3% of our GDP already. And Trunin said, well, since you folks have so much money, perhaps you can help bail us out with this COVID recovery. In other words, she's hinting that you don't spend, if you don't spend the money, uh, we'll probably take the money from you. So then that's where, and she actually said that, literally said that. And that's been posted over and over and again. And, you know, I mean, I've always been a believer that never trust the government. And it doesn't matter who they are, never trust government because they're there uh, for their own best interest, not your interest. And that's a problem with society today and everybody is there for the buck. And mm-hmm. just, even, even the time that I've left, I left in 2010, there's a huge difference when I see already it's happening in Parliament. It just is... I mean, just to allow Trudeau to do what he's done without any real opposition is is pretty pathetic for democracy. No. Uh, it's, I absolutely agree with you there, and I, and I had to kind of laugh and smile there when you said you always believe in not to trust the government, and that was something you know growing up myself um, definitely was. Um, you know, I, I had my I had my mom who said yeah. the same thing. You know, you don't trust the government yeah. to, to take care of you. You just don't trust the government. You you look That's after right. yourself and yeah. take it into your own hands. And my dad was very much involved in in politics, loved politics. Gosh, we had the, in our yard coming into Dauphin, he would have the, the big sign supporting whoever he was supporting. Yeah. <laughs> Always had the, the news on and stuff. So I was very much divided between the two extreme polarities. Right where where my mom would want to give a big finger to the government, and my dad would be at you know the at the rallies, right? So <laughs> so so growing up, so I had this real um, in the middle of the road kind of thing with my feelings with politics, and I and then when I when I went out onto my own, I I feel like I adopted more of my more of my mom's attitude toward the government, and but always still kind of felt you know drawn to it in some weird way. And you know, just just speaking with you now and saying that just really kind of confirms everything that I had ever thought uh, growing up, and my thoughts there with um, you know the leadership in in Canada. And it's something that you you had mentioned as well before that I see that you're on the same lines as. And I I was called a conspiracy theorist for for saying this, but uh, I really believe George Soros is at the. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. at, the, at the at the at the helm, kind of, and pulling the strings on a lot of this. What are your thoughts on yeah. that? Well, I agree. I mean, that's what uh, you know. A lot of these uh, people with money, they want to manipulate. Basically, not you know, they're not happy to manipulate one country, but they want to manipulate the whole world. And uh, I just want to go back to what your mom and dad. Your mom and dad are probably what second generation Canadian. Yeah. The first, second generation, mm-hmm. maybe first generation, because their uh, their parents came, eh? their parents immigrated here, right? Yeah, they did. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so they'd be first generation. Yeah. So even when you look back in the immigration history, 
most first generation uh, that come here do not trust government because most of them come from uh, uh, countries that uh, are, you know, are basically ruled by dictators. And uh, and when they come here, they're very leery of governments, period, you know. And then usually the first, second generation, they, they slowly change. But that's the irony is that the uh, first generation came here. Uh, I'll say the Ukrainians are a good example. They came late. And they basically there was nothing left for them except the you know the land with rocks and bush, and they settled and survived and and adapted you know i mean we talk about race i mean you know race back in the days when I grew up in the fifties it was horrible between the Slavic community and the anglo saxons the Wasp mm-hmm. community was they were the worst they're they're like the white supremacists of today when you think about it. Going yeah. back uh, to the 50s and 60s, uh, uh, it was horrible. You know, it split the community. Even Dawson was the same way. Gilbert Plains, where I grew up, was the same. There's the uh, whites and uh, Anglo-Saxons and uh, everybody else. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the natives back then. They didn't even. They didn't even exist. Basically, they, no. No, because we didn't even see many of them around. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But over time, they adapt, and then they forget. They forget where they come from. They forget the hardships of their grandparents. You know, and then they start looking at socialism more and more and more. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with being uh, compassionate and helping the needy and all this kind of stuff. But there is something wrong when you uh, you have to give somebody a check just because they're alive. You know, yeah. unless unless they need it. But, you know, yourself, uh, if you keep giving people checks, they won't go to work, right? They find that out with the the serve payments. They find out already, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, those were hefty hefty payments that Canada was was getting up there, um, you know, during all this uh, (laughs) compared to the United United States, of course. But I think that's one thing, too, with our, our generations. I think that's one thing that really really got lost is that we didn't have that connection to, we, we lost our connection to our elders and our past totally. and our history. And yeah. I think that it was, it's those stories and it's those teachings that's that time that spent with that, you know, as, as a child, I spent a lot of, I had sleepovers at my grandparents all the time. I, I was probably, oh, okay. sick, I, think I probably spent maybe more, almost more time at my grandparents than my, than my own parents place. Yeah. And, um, you know, always, always was told the stories and, you know, what they went through. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I get, and I get some slack too on this whole, on, on the, on the socialism thing. But I, and I mean, like you said, like, there's it, a fine line between, you know, wanting to help people and stuff and having that compassion. And then right. it's like, it's, it's, so socialism isn't this, isn't this knight and 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 horse that comes in and, and rescues everything and, and saves us all from the horrible people? I I really feel it is a it is a Trojan horse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you know the the uh, the one of the initiatives right now in using COVID is the basic annual income. You mm-hmm. heard that and read about yep. it. Well, actually, I I. And they, 
and this, the report is it always seems to relate it to what happened in the seventies in Dauphin here, seventy six, I believe. Yes. When Trudeau Trudeau tried that, uh, mm-hmm. but but it, but it wasn't a basic. It was an income supplement program. Yep. It was a supplement to people that were already working. It wasn't a guaranteed income, so they really got it screwed up. And I try to explain. I've done many interviews uh, on this subject, and I always try to tell them it was not an annual income program. It was an income supplement program, but people yeah. don't want to listen. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I personally agree that we could implement a basic annual income, but if we do, then we need to get rid of all the other welfare programs, all the other you know, the Indian Affairs program, everybody. If you're gonna if you're gonna pay people a basic wage, then all the other support program need to to be axed. If you can't double, triple everything. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean we, we can't afford it. I mean we can't afford it even now, even less now with uh, one point four and they expect the one point four trillion to go up to about one point seven trillion in the yeah. next year or two. I mean, how do we ever get out of this hole? You don't. It's impossible. You know, they're just gonna until they until they absolutely crash it. It feels with everything yeah. that's going on, it feels like they're just the you know as, as and and I want to talk about with with you further on this and 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 bounce some of my thoughts uh, off of you with this, and that we can maybe um come to a uh, I don't know let's, let's do a little bit of investigative work, but I just want to quickly pull up for our for anyone that's going to be listening to this that may not um, be aware of this program that you just mentioned here, the experimental. Supplement program. I just yep. pulled it up. The great experiment. The it was called the Mincom. Uh, Mincom program. Yeah. 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 So it was uh, 35 years ago, and yep. um, being sure there'd be no poverty in Dauphin, wages were going to be top up, and the working poor given a boost. And it was a collaboration between Ed Schreier's uh, provincial NDP and the Liberal government of Pierre Trudeau. Yep. Trudeau. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, so the program grew from modest origin, uh, origins, uh, cost slightly more than five hundred thousand dollars, and involves somewhere between three hundred and five hundred families. Ultimately, costs seventeen million and helps one thousand families. Checks were issued based on family size and income. Minimum check would presume the recipient had no other source of income. From there, it was scaled back in proportion to the household's earning, but it did not claw back everything the family earned above the minimum needed to keep body and soul together. Uh, it differed from standard welfare, social assistance. Uh, it's finally remembered in the town that tried it because it rewarded initiative and standing on your own two feet. Um, highly regarded back in rural Manitoba back then and still now. Yeah. Um, but most people forgot about Jacktis's. Let's see. Let's, I'm just going to scan this real quick here. So it's their closing uh, statements um, where they said money money wasn't taxable. Positive note. Barbara Livingstone, 83, wanted nothing to do with Mincom. <laughs> okay. She moved off in 1973, a single mother of one. She was a housekeeper, a personal care home, earning minimum wage, and had no interest in government handouts. Very well. I had something yeah. to do with it. He asked me some questions and told me I qualified. He urged me to take it. To me, it was a form of welfare. And that's the thing. People don't want yeah. handouts. A lot of people don't want handouts. That's uh, true. You know, and and yeah, like a little extra something something would be great. Like maybe it's a little security blanket, but not something where it's going to totally diminish their their will to go and make something yeah. of their own. You know, yeah, that, there's where there's where the mindset has totally changed with uh, today's generation. You know, I mean, 
the, the you know say I would say under forty people that are under forty they you know if you keep sending them a check they'd be happy to, to keep taking it. <laughs> well, it's it's just it's it's really interesting. I was having this conversation with my with my husband yesterday, and it, we were talking about that that menial generation, the last generation there between like yeah. the late seventies and the eighties, and then it, and then we're learning about actually uh, the how, obviously you know I graduated in ninety nine. Um, you know I've been out of the school system for a while. I didn't go to a university. I went to, you know, I took some courses at Red River College afterwards, and I first got out of um, Dauphin in, in Winnipeg yeah. there. And it seems as if there's been this total infiltration into the schools um, okay. yeah. with whatever whatever they're teaching in there. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing, like, it's very, very socialist. The, yeah. the, on the edge, of, I want to say maybe Marx, Marxism that's being taught in schools, um, and it's just a lot of uh, it's it's really really different, and it's really interesting how culture and society and schools have and have so much power to to shape minds, and and then the, the yeah. teachers that are that are teaching this, and you know it's. It's like I said. It's it's really it's really really mind blowing. And I, and I don't want to say that all you know all people under forty uh, would would be willing to sit on their ass. But I mean, yeah. at the at the same time, it just, it, it almost kind of falls in, in line with some of the the attitude that I've seen. You know, as myself employing people before that just don't want to work or don't understand right. hard work or don't understand. And 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 part of that, you know, like I said, may or may not be their fault. Have the schools failed them? You know, have have our has our culture and society failed them? Where everything is expected, you know, on a on a Amazon Prime next day delivery service that you know you right. <laughs> you, you put in a little bit of work, you're supposed to have your your millions on Sunday. Um, yep. So that that's really interesting to to see and understand as well. Um, well, the current the current current phenomenon now is that uh, all the uh, uh, the low uh, labor uh, jobs are all taken by immigrants. Even in Dauphin now, if you go to any of the fast food places, it's all uh, employment. You know, I would say three quarters of the employment, uh, the kids that are employed or the workers are all. Yeah, they're from East India, Pakistan, uh, Asia. Uh, they're all Im- immigrants. I mean, we we don't see, uh, you know, just r- regular Dauphinites that are working there anymore. They just they don't nobody wants to work. And and the other problem today is uh, because there's so few skilled people out there. If you want to hire somebody, that you it just costs you an arm and a leg. And uh, you know, I blame I blame the school system. I blame government because, to me, centralization, going back probably thirty years, probably created this mess. Whether it's education, med- medication, or, or the medical health, uh, government, the same thing. They're just making units bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, uh, here in Winnipeg, they want to amalgamate all the all the uh, health bo- uh, health boards. I mean, okay. that's a wrong way to go because the further you remove it from the ordinary person that lives 
in your community, you know, the, the power base to make decisions, you lose all that. And that's what's happened even in our health. As you know, our health uh, is run out of uh, Brandon now. Well, well, the unit, the Brandon uh, unit is like quarter the size of Manitoba. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's yeah. impossible. So so what happens? You spend all, all the people that everybody, the system becomes totally top-heavy. Education is the same. Education in Dauphin now is we're basically almost up the Swan River. The park, whole parkland is one school division. Well, most of the supervisors, they spend their time on the, uh, in a vehicle on the road most days. I mean, right. everything is top-heavy, and when you need people at the bottom end to do the actual the work, there's nobody around. And the health system is the same here now, too. Nobody wants to work. And we're, it's so bad now that the people that I want to work, they they register with a, with a health agency. We call them agency nurses. They live yep. in Winnipeg, Vancouver, wherever, and the health system pays the bill. You know, uh-huh. I, I found out just an interesting thing the other day. Uh, somebody said, well, we closed the jail here in Dauphin last year. I saw that. But, so what happens when people get arrested? You can only keep them overnight, and they have to be trans, trans, transferred to Brandon or Winnipeg. That's everybody. And basically, they're finding out now that Christmas way of doing it is by airplanes. So now we have an added cost. We have to fly them all over the place. It just makes absolutely no sense. But that's, that's government making yeah. bad policy. And aren't they so concerned about their CO2s and emissions and, and everything? Yeah. and all that, and now they're being flown on planes. <laughs> yeah, seems a little. And we and we produce like two percent, I believe, a little over two percent of the CO two of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, even 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 the U.S. is is ahead of China. I think it's seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. I think China's sixteen or some of that percent of the world. And we're 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 basically killing our economy. Uh, Trudeau is totally against oil. That's another thing. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't care. Trudeau governs for himself, doesn't go for anybody else. You know, his party is basically his cult. That's what's become. Even, you know, you've read a lot of uh, uh, articles from former presidents of the Liberal Party. They basically say there is no more Liberal Party basically taken over by by, uh, Trudeau and his cult, basically. Yeah, and he just he just governs for himself, and he governs for the UN. That's what I have a sign in my my uh, yard here saying, you know, he he puts the UN first and puts this candle last. And that's pretty accurate. You know? He does, he does, and you yeah. know, I I will give I will give you know you know as as much as we see in the media. That's the one thing that I that I see with a with a stark difference that I that I understood. Um, you know, as, as I said, I I can't, when I was in Canada and, and my thoughts with my mom and everything and you know you don't trust the government and that was that was my like I said I was done and dusted as far as really paying attention to anything so it was really yeah. really interesting I was living in Mexico for a little bit uh, before I moved to the United States um, in 2015 there right before basically in the in the midst of the elections okay. um, and so when I when I got to the United States and I saw their 
everything on TV and was watching TV and CNN uh, a little bit oh, when, when we got here. Um, I, I couldn't believe the. I was like, am I watching like a World Wrestling Federation? Like it was just yeah. like, yeah, like what's going on with their politics here? And then, you know, watching watching Trump and everything and the media and you know, it would watch along for a little while and you know, Trump got elected. Um, it was. I worked in, you know, I work on, online in, in social media, and it was like the worst days online. It was just everybody's. <laughs> it, it was it was horrible. It was a, it was a shit show. And the last that we kind of tuned out, I hadn't I hadn't had a TV in, in for a, for a while because I was living in Mexico, so I didn't have any TV. Okay. Um, never really watched anyway when I was living still in Canada, and then when we when I moved to the United States, um, my husband had TV, but we didn't really watch it. We last that we had watched of any sort of coverage uh, on anything was when, I guess, uh, Trump was making fun of uh, someone and flailing his arms and everything. And oh, yeah. that was that was it. And we, we tuned out. We actually got rid of our cable and everything. I know my dad was kind of upset when he came to visit us because now we had to figure out how to use just like, just, we just had well, Netflix where so yeah. we, we couldn't watch anything. You couldn't watch the news or stay out. Uh, he would go into his vehicle and listen to, you know, to on the radio there. So we weren't watching anything. But that was the one okay. thing that it seems like um, what Trump is championing right now is that it, it is USA and not about the UN, which is really interesting right. to me because we are seeing basically Trudeau sell out Canada. Yeah, basically immensely and i and i and i kind of feel like with everybody else that's been falling in line with all these countries that are falling in line you know i was watching canada was doing from here in the states i was watching I was like oh you know they're not doing too bad with their lockdown seems like they're going good there and stuff and i remember the the story with the um you know the police officers in, in toronto with that shooting that happened in toronto there right. a couple years ago how they took them took them down they didn't have to fire any bullets like they treated that guy was like like he was a little puppy in the in the road and what i'm seeing now in canada like now i'm wondering is the meth lab above me because the you know trudeau can't be found no you know he's he's on planes to possibly barbados and and whatnot um you know other 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 people are being caught and stepping down from their vacations that they went and took and right you know i've really got to wonder like what 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 has what has he done like i know he's made his his deals with um, Bill Gates and, and whatnot, and, and, you know, he's gone yeah. to the World Economic Forum. Um, yeah. But, you know, what <laughs> is there any hope of getting Trudeau out of Canada? Well, I keep telling everybody, and as you know, I posted it, the, as long as he keeps in check out, the, the chances that he'll probably get reelected because people don't care. Maybe and I've learned over my 20 years in public life that people only care if it affects the pocketbook. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a truth, actually. Uh, once, once you help them out, uh, most of them still remember, but there's still a good portion that, you know, they don't remember, they don't care. Cause it's your job to help them. But I know it's my job to help them. That's what I do. But yeah. that's, I've always found that if, if it's a pocketbook issue, if it's personal, uh, that's the only time they care about politics and they come in and get angry and everything else that goes with it. And, uh, but other than that, most of them don't even know what's going on. Uh, and, that's, and, and that's what politicians rely on. And the old, an old adage that I've learned years ago was, and I was told this even when I first went to Ottawa, was if you want to stay out of trouble, 
then you just hide from trouble. In other words, hide from the public. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do that. They mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they go home, they hide, they don't get out, they just they don't wanna be confront they don't wanna they don't want they don't wanna confront be confronted by anyone. And the easiest way to stay elected is keep your mouth shut, don't say anything. Uh, that way, you know, you won't make any mistakes and, and hide from the public. Yeah. Most people don't know they, and they don't care, you know. Yeah. And that's what he's but been I, doing. And I, and then. That's what know, he's I, been, you know, that's what I say. It's so admirable for a leader of a country to be hiding in a, in a building and coming out like a, like, like a groundhog once a day or once every few weeks. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the press, they hate because he's, he's bought and, he bought he bought them off, you know the billions he's given to the press. Why do he give them money? They don't really need it. I mean, yeah, no different than his buddies that are the multi-millionaire billionaire. He gives them money to fix it for years or whatever else. It's totally ridiculous. But my biggest beef is where's the opposition? You know, there's no opposition. There isn't. You know? Well, I've I've seen I've seen now, and like I said, I've been I've been gone out of Canada for so long, but I see there's a, a new party emerging yeah. out there. The, the, they go no, nowhere. They go nowhere. No. The problem the problem is it, it takes so much uh, such big numbers to to get anywhere in this country, and uh, and one the other issue I've always had a problem with is. The federal government always intrudes into, into provincial jurisdiction, and they continue to keep doing this. They want to take over everything. Now, if we go back to the, the BNA Act, which basically separated the powers between the federal government and the provincial governments, that's what we need to go back to. You know, yeah. whether it's a gun control issue or health or anything. I mean, that's what I wanted. Uh, prior to uh, C68. Uh, the liberals wanted to control all the firearms, everything else. I mean, the provinces controlled them. That was their jurisdiction. Yeah. Deal with hunting and fishing and everything else. Now the feds intrude on everything. They, you know, they're the ones that put in the the lead. Uh, you know, you can't use lead for weights and fishing and all this kind of stuff. You know, so yeah. it's intrusion in the into provincial jurisdiction, even with health. They have nothing to do with healthcare other than money. And yet, when uh, Martin, when the health accord ended with Martin, Harper refused to renew it. At that time, it was uh, 50%. Feds financed 50% of the health costs. Now we're down to 25. And <laughs> and still, uh, Harper, Trudeau refused to give them more money. You know. Oh wow. So, so to me, the, the culprit is centralization. Everything gets bigger and bigger, and that's how you take over everything, right? You get so big, you want to take over everything, the whole world. So yeah. that's a really bad move. And that's the nice thing about the American system. They got 50 some states. They all have state governments. They have state legislatures. Uh, they state have state control over almost everything. And, yeah. and the feds and the states have very little authority, actually. And, yeah. and that's what we need to do in Canada, even with the RCMP. It should just be a federal force. I think, and I always been saying, the problems should all have their own provincial police forces. And the hell with the feds. You know, the feds can deal with uh, research and uh, 
you know, create some lab. Even, even the RCMP have cut most of their uh, their, uh, their units. Uh, say in the Manitoba, they got rid of their uh, investigative units and their uh, labs uh, many years ago. Uh, yeah, everything's centralized down east. Everything's down east. Hmm. Yeah. Well, even with Harper, imagine sending the wheat board, removing the wheat board down east. Down into Ottawa. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. No, yeah. it, it does not. Um, and you guys up there, and, and for you know, living in the states, everyone is big, 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 big on their guns here. Yeah. Uh, that's something that's, that's part of their their culture and what they yeah, saw exactly. up And uh, you know, growing up in Canada, not not so much. It wasn't really a big thing to be able to you know walk around with a gun or shoot guns. And when I when I moved here, that was a big eye-opener for me as a Canadian, how much they love their guns here. And I noticed that uh, right before everything got a little hectic there in March, I think it was, around there, just before spring, uh, you guys up in Canada went and tightened up the the gun laws again. Well, the the problem with Trudeau is he basically, his favorite kind of government is China. But he doesn't understand how the Chinese government works. They're dictators. And I, I wrote on Twitter, I said, you know, he doesn't realize that if you're, you're anti-government, you know, you'll get a knock on your door in the middle of the night and you'll disappear. And that's the truth. I would say, I would even estimate now they probably do away with, you know, 10, 20,000 civilians every year. No no one even hears about it. They just murder really? They just murder them. Yeah, they... I. I Years ago, even when I was uh, visiting China, they said that they would uh, eliminate about 5,000 of them. Basically, they just shoot you in the head, you know, with a small handgun. Wow. Uh, but going back to the, and that's a problem with Trudeau. He wants to basically eliminate all the uh, ownership of firearms. I mean, the firearms have been a big part of our history. And as you said, our generation, uh, the people here, make no big deal because it's just another tool on the farm, okay? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all they want. And then nobody got killed, nobody got shot. I mean, this was, I grew up with, uh, not in my family, but I took interest in hunting and yeah. and, uh, and I, you know, did a lot of that as kids, shooting gophers and everything else, being, yeah. uh, you know, growing up in a small town. But Trudeau wants to get rid of all the guns. And, because he's targeting the people, the lawful people that own them and use them lawfully. He he has no solution for criminal use of farms. I mean, it's just it's just a total crock of shit, basically. And yeah. the one, and I've always I've I've tried to think through this whole thing about the U.S. and the Second Amendment. Now I'm getting to realize that they made the maybe the, the smartest people in the world. Because you know what that Second Amendment does? It gives the people the right to defend your life and your family's life. That's something that's missing in this country. This country, in the criminal code, says that you can defend yourself, but with reasonable force. Well, who's going to decide what's reasonable force, right? A judge. Yeah. Not not what's reasonable. I mean, and we've gone to the extreme now that you... Uh, you know, point your finger at somebody, you're threatening them. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how ridiculous everything is, is gone upside down. You know, everything. 
Yeah. I mean, they're taking guns away, uh, plastic toy guns from kids they are playing on the street. I mean, it's just everything is so ridiculous today. You know, yeah, everything is so politically correct. Totally. But I still go back to the Americans are the only people in the world that have a right to defend your life, you know, on your own property. And nobody in the world has that except being an American, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a huge, uh, that's what they always say. I mean, you know, history, they always, even the Japanese said, well, how can you attack the America? They're all armed, you know. And that, yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. And it looks like so, they're trying to, you know, attack that as Second Amendment uh, here still. So, I mean. Oh, as long as the <laughs> Democrats are in power, you know, uh, uh, they'll, they'll, I mean, Bill Clinton was the first one that, you know, put in the uh, gun control bill. And the only good thing was it had the sunset clause. <laughs> but see, that's <laughs> something in the Canada we don't do, rarely put sunset clauses on our legislation, which we should be doing, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, uh, the, and, and like with the, with the, uh, with the gun, with the gun laws, you know, that's, that's one of the big things that differed here, and I know we, we touched on earlier, but I just wanted to get your, um, you know, your thoughts too, because down, down here in the States, it's really funny, it's, like I said, it's really interesting being here as a Canadian in these times, and this, like, the perspective that I've had and now speaking um, with you, and I'm just seeing a lot of these things that I've that I've kind of felt uh, <laughs> and and it's been coming. But you know, in the states, the 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 big thing is that you know they want the socialism because and two and they the big the big big draw is well we want the healthcare we want the healthcare that oh, yeah. Canada has we want what Canada has and I'm like you know it's not always that great. <laughs> what would you tell my American listeners about the Canadian healthcare system? Well, the, the the good thing about the Canadian healthcare system is that you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, lose your house if you get sick and end up in hospital. Yeah. I mean, uh, what what we provide is you know pretty basic care across the board, and that to me it makes sense. I mean, if you don't, I mean, people have to ask the question: if you don't have your health, what do you have? You have nothing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think, I mean. The irony is that all Western societies have a health care program, which is uh, government-run. The U.S. is the only one missing. Mm -hmm. But the Americans could still, they could still, uh, they could still have a, a a public system with options, you know, as they always talk about options in the, in the American uh, health care debate. Uh, but I think they should... Uh, if they don't, you know, even if they go on the on the income income basis, they could still put in uh, a public plan. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. they just have to limit it to your income, right? Yeah, yeah. They could still do it. I mean, and I don't think it's a big deal because you know the U.S. actually spend more money in public health than we do in Canada per capita. I've learned that many years ago, and they they still mm -hmm. do spend more money. You know. It's just yeah. that because their population base is so large, it's hard to cover everybody. And that's what they're fearful of, covering yeah. everybody. But I don't think you need to. At the beginning, you need to maybe cover half the population and half the other half can afford to uh, to pay. But the problem is, uh, what's your premium for health down there? 
it's not cheap from what I understand. No, <laughs> no, it's def definitely not. Definitely, uh, you know, it's, you, you think twice with, uh, <laughs> like, I just think about the times I've had to go into a walk-in clinic into, into Canada there for minor things and go in, walk out, no problem. And, and, you know, down here to do the same thing, it's, you know, $500 and walk. Yeah, and just pay, 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 yeah. pay, 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 pay and stuff. But then there's other things like, you know, with the, with the wait times and surgeries that are, you know, that are getting, that were, you know, I mean, now it's even worse, but, you know, the wait times on certain surgeries and stuff and people, you know, coming down to the States to just go yeah. ahead and pay and pay have and that. Get and get and get it done and not be on that waiting list forever you know and you know and it just reminds me of right now like my dad uh you know he's he was on a list he was waiting for cataract surgery and okay. uh, and then now uh <laughs> he just got updated I, i'm not sure if he's gonna even like it sounds like end of summer for his cataract appointment for one yeah. eye and his other eye is going and i'm wondering i'm like is my dad even gonna be able to see me by the time I get back to Dolphin, yeah. you know, and that's that's kind of stuff that that tugs at my heartstrings. Where I'm wondering now, like, is, is there going to be a way for me to maybe fly down my dad here to the states and get him the surgery faster, you know? Yeah, yeah. My wife is in the same uh, situation. She needs. She had one done already, and the other one. Oh, she's just getting a LASIK, uh, LASIK done on the one that she had the cataract surgery on and again it's she's waiting and waiting and the same thing mm -hmm. you know yeah 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 so i, I was going to say that uh, i grew up with a girl uh, from gilbert plains uh, and she ended up in california most of her life and last time i saw her she was she said she was paying 800 a month for her health care insurance and she's still down there she lives uh, not far from san diego between la and san diego yeah. Yeah. No. That that is that's correct. That's that's average, eh? about eight hundred a month. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And depending yeah. on your family size and whatnot, like that, it's you know, it's it's a good, it's definitely a good chunk. And there again, it's not. Uh, <laughs> you still you still might end up owing a lot of money even after that, um, depending on what what you need. But you know, looking looking at the you know the the state of the world right now, uh, we're seeing. You know, new strains already popping up from COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a South African strain that's popped yeah. up that apparently is super resilient. I, you know, earlier I saw another article with the the, the bird flu coming back again and everything, right. and uh, it just really feels like they're between the lockdowns and stuff. You know, if we if we take a look at this, here here's something I want to kind of want to bounce off you, Inky, is that um you know they they talk about you know the, the 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 getting out of hand and going. You know there's so many so many cases and you know the the, the another strain and you know we look. <laughs> my my thing is that you know this this is to me that this virus is just nothing but a you know a, a money maker. It's nothing but another. It is. Um, it's it's just another it's another great <laughs> money maker for for Bill Gates and everybody else that's involved and you know it's create right. create a problem. Uh, provide the solution, and you know, I I had H one N one when I when I was in Vancouver. There it was around that was it two thousand nine two thousand ten uh, outbreak, and I I was I was sick, 
And I mean, I got to tell you, like, yeah, I was healthy. I was going to the gym and stuff like that. But I mean, I wasn't as healthy as I am now as far as taking care of my health and really being discerning with what I put in my body uh, after learning, of course, you know, with GMOs and processed foods and all this stuff. Um, So I was sick. And I definitely felt like death. I felt like I was on my deathbed. I would lie on the floor. Uh, By the time I got to the hospital, I finally went. I was maybe three or four days into feeling like this. Went in there. You know, only the sick people were wearing masks. I put on a mask. Went and saw the doctor. Doctor's like, yeah, like no big deal. He's like, yeah, you got H1N1. Go home. Stay another week away from work. Drink your fluids. You know, (laughs) there's... There's an antibiotic forever. I can't remember if I had a prescription to fill or something like that. But basically it was like, yeah, go home, get better. There you go. And, you know, I, I think they <laughs> I think they really saw a, a golden opportunity uh, for this because, you know, as far as with the testing and everything we're hearing, you know, I, I had shared articles early, 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 early on about the PCR tests. Uh, being set too high, and from the the man that had invented them, they were never really meant to test for COVID, and yeah, cool. they're set too high, and so we're creating all these false positives. We're creating all these cases that they're using to justify, you know, stricter lockdowns. And the other thing too, on the other end of it, like I know, especially in California, um, you know, we're saying, well, the cases are out of control. Well, a lot of uh, no pun, but in a lot of cases, especially with myself being in the acting industry as well, that you have to get a test um, before you, you know before you're allowed to go on set. You've got to get right. retested every day. I've yeah. got a girlfriend here that's going for special doctor's appointments, and she can't even go into the clinic until she gets a test. Right. So she's getting three tests a week. So our the, there's they're they're going off of these these numbers you know, from these cases to further justify these lockdowns. But I think they saw the power in it and they hijacked it because it just feels like they're just tightening the noose a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more and making it unbearable where they say like that's, you know, they make it so unbearable that, you know, by the time they give you back any freedom that you're, you're going to uh, agree to anything and everything that they're going to suggest to you just to have life feel normal again and yeah. with you know introducing again like this vaccine that's coming out um that was a big eye-opener for me i don't know your thoughts on this but i'm just going to be you know quite frankly uh candid and frank with you uh inky you know i had my shots growing up i remember getting my shot there at the, yeah. the dr css in the right. <laughs> in the in the uh, auditorium there and stuff and got my shot and then when i you know, graduated, went on my own. I decided to like, yeah, I'm not gonna get any, any shots. I don't. I just didn't like them. You know, I just didn't like needles. Didn't like shots. Didn't really think. I just didn't like them. I didn't get them, and that was it. And I figured, well, I keep myself healthy. Why do I need to get a shot? Um, and apparently, the flu shot doesn't work. So anyway, that great. So I had to go and bother to go and get it anyway. Just keep myself healthy. If I get the flu, yeah. you know, stay at home. And so when this. When, when March rolled around, and we had, I had gotten the shot, I think, um, well, I'd gotten the shot before when I was supposed to go to uh, South Africa once. I had gotten my first, like, Twinrex shot. And then, yeah. um, you know, when I became an American or started to uh, start the process to become an American citizen, when I had to become a resident, I had to get shots here oh, as yeah. well. And I didn't, I didn't look into it. 
I was like, you know, I, I trust whatever, fine, doctor's great, they know what they're doing, all right, get these shots, I'm not going to question anything because I don't really want to screw up my process here or, or anything like that. I basically, I shut up and, and took them. And then we, we went to, we got the opportunity to go to South Africa again. And it was really funny, the doctor at the clinic there talked us out of every shot possible that we could have gotten for ourselves. And I thought it was really strange, but I was like, okay, cool, well, we're going to save ourselves time and money, no problem. And we have these other solutions that he told us about. No big deal. So when March rolled around and they started talking about this, these shots for the flu and stuff and talking about it being mandatory, right away I thought, okay, black swan event, just like 9-11 to further yeah. um, bring in more uh, you know, authoritarian rule and, um, you know, <laughs> just bring in, bring in more restrictions. And I was like, you know, I don't like the, the sound of anything that's mandatory. <laughs> First and foremost, I keep very good care of my body and what goes in it now, and I'm going to look into this. And I and I started to look into the the big world of vaccines. I was very much in a very ignorant, um, unconcerned bubble. Uh, number two, because I also decided I wasn't going. We weren't going to have kids, and that's another yeah. thing. You know, don't have to worry about that, obviously, because kids need a heck ton of vaccine shots more than they did back when I when yeah. I got them or back when you got them. And I really had to wonder, like, this this vaccine that's out, and being that it's, you know, kind of in the the hands of the the Bill Gates and whatnots of the world, and the fact that it's, you know, only declared for emergency use, and it's it's never done before, you know, the the mRNA vaccine, and the problems that it causes with people, um, I just feel like it's just one after the other with with the vaccines that are going to be coming up. What do you what do you think? Well, I I I believe what you say that the key is to stay healthy and research uh, uh, health. You know, uh, make sure you you know use uh, stuff like vitamin D and B three. And uh, my wife has MS, so she's been taking mega doses of vitamin D three probably for. 20 years. You know, yeah. They found that out many, many years ago that if you, uh, she always used to take 5,000 uh, MGs of vitamin D all the mm-hmm. time. Now, what I've read, zinc is another one. Uh, 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 there's a number of other. Yeah, I, vitamin wait, D3, you know, I, zinc, and the, yeah. the, like there's even vitamin C now. There's new reports on uh, how awesome vitamin C is for you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, vitamin C has always been known to, you know, prevent colds. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm the, like you. I take a lot of supplements. You know, and uh, and I, I I I still believe that individuals need to decide on themselves whether they want to take the flu shot or not. So uh, actually, last. Oh, my wife and I got really sick. Mm-hmm. I've never been so sick in my life. I was sick for two full days. I was just laying in bed. I couldn't. I thought, what the hell is going on? I could never. I'd never been sick like this in my life. And I think yeah. it was. It was a flu. <laughs> it was, you, I think it was the coronavirus. I think. Did you say last I've fall? Never, last fall. Yeah. yeah. So that's when my dad got sick too. Like around. Oh, got November, sick. Yeah, like around November or so. Yeah. Yeah, I was laying in bed for two days. I couldn't do yeah. couldn't do anything, couldn't eat, couldn't drink, couldn't just 
I just never felt like that. I felt like, you know, almost like you were laying in a morgue. Actually, it was just horrible. Yeah. So, but we overcame that by, we didn't do anything really other than (laughs) do what we normally do, you know, but. Yeah. And I, we both think that we must have caught the coronavirus back then. Yeah. And that's, and that's funny because my dad, I was uh, back in Omaha. And yeah. uh, my my uh, girlfriend had just told me about uh, the taking a fifty thousand. Uh, her doctor had told her to, uh, to to take a fifty thousand IU dose of um, vitamin D. And I told my dad because I know Canada Health Canada has a restriction on how many IUs of vitamin D I guess per per pill or per serving whatever it is. Because we have a product with our with our company that has vitamin D in it, which we looked into, of course, when we were looking into carrying our products in Canada, we were like, oh, we need to reformulate this because apparently Canada has a problem with over 3,000 IUs of vitamin D. <laughs> so okay. um, so my, I told my dad, he was sick too, and I told him to take 50,000 IUs of it. I said, but I said, whatever you got up there in Canada, I said, just take a, a handful of pills because I know you guys don't carry it in, in one pill, so take a handful. And sure yeah. enough, he was right as rain you know, not too long after that as well. And he was convinced as well that he had COVID. Yeah. 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 And, you know, with, like I said, with pulling all these, um, uh, I, I really feel like it's tied into the World Economic uh, yeah. <laughs> Forum plans and everything else that had gone on um, earlier that uh, Trudeau had attended as well. I think they're all intrinsically webbed together. Oh, I'm sure. And, and that, you know, that, that's one reason why they want everybody to spend and spend and spend until they're broke. Because then, you know, they're going to, everybody's going to be like Greece. You're going to have to borrow money from the uh, International Monetary Fund. And guess who owns the uh, International Monetary Fund? The billionaires. Mm-hmm. So they got you. So, yeah. I mean, you can just see, anybody that thinks through it can see that this is all leading to total world control, you know. And basically, this, the, the UN has, is toothless, really. Look at yeah. the way they operate, you know. I mean, it's just totally ridiculous the way they operate. So, well, they're, I mean, uh, even... Look who's on even, with, the, with the UN, though. I mean, and it's kind of like, who who's, <laughs> who's hiring these people? <laughs> I, I always keep saying that Trudeau wants to be the Secretary General of the UN. That's why he's doing what he's doing. You know, I mean, it's just, mm. that, you know, I mean, he's given them so much money. It's just pathetic, you know. And just, I, uh, I, I probably, I probably would have to go ahead and agree with you there. That kind of seems like what he's, uh, what he's reaching for. And speaking of giving away a lot of money, what all went down with the uh, the Wee charity scandal yeah. of his? About a billion dollars, basically. And half, and his own family got about half a billion, about $500 million, you know, paying, paying his mother, his mother and his brother, you know. And no, nobody knows, and we don't know what went under the table. Yeah. To him, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's all money grab. It, and I, I uh, actually, I read uh, what, an article where he, when Pierre was still alive, he had ten million dollars in his foundation. Today, there's one point two billion dollars in the Trudeau Foundation. 
They'll ask the question, where the hell all the money come from? Oh, he's been taken. We know that he's took at least one million from China yeah. after he got elected. So, so, oh, how nice. so he's he's doing the same as Trump doing, right? Just kind of filling his own coffers, you know. Well, I mean, and that's, uh, and that's uh, you see that, and and it's it's so. I, I think it was such an eye opener again of like these career politicians and how much money they just seem to oh, in. especially the American ones. Holy man. It's wow. mind boggling. It, yeah. it is mind boggling. It's it's absolutely mind boggling and, and blowing and you know, that's <laughs> they're they're in there in office and I, and I think, you know, it and it's it's kind of a bit of a, a a shake up for us too, because I think there's so many people that say, you know, I don't want to get involved in politics or I hate politics or I don't pay attention to politics and I was and I was that person too. But I think we need more people holding you have to, people have to stand up. Yeah. We got we got to hold them accountable, and we got to literally like yeah. Yeah. give them the shakedown. <laughs> like, yeah. It is just uh, Martin Luther, you know, Well, Martin Luther King said it. Well, I mean, if you don't say anything, you're you're as bad as a culprit, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, you're letting it happen, and we you know, look at Hitler. I mean, uh, I mean, off and on, I watch uh, the History Channel, and they've been running Hitler stuff uh, most of the last few weeks, and. You know, knowing that Trump's favorite book is Mein Kampf, and you look at the, all the stuff he's done, a lot of it is just he just copycatted a lot of the stuff that Hitler would do. You know, I mean, and there's a lot. Just, yeah. I've heard people too that there there's are there are Holocaust deniers. What do you think about that? Oh, I can't believe it, but there are. I mean, there are. I mean, you know, I mean, it goes back to people that they don't they can't remember what what happened yesterday. So and they don't care what happened yesterday. So these are the same kind of people who don't care. They're they're basically self. They're only interested in their own life to themselves. They're not interested in anybody else. And you know, I mean that that's a. I mean, even all the things that are happening. I mean, what's that say about what religion does? I mean, you would think religion would have more influence on people being good people, but obviously it doesn't. You know, doesn't matter what religion we're talking about. It's the same. It's a a control. It comes down to it's a control game again. It's the same thing. It's a control game uh, from day one. Well, and and I think this would be. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's a control control game, and that's one of those things too. Like growing up, um, we didn't go to church. Inky, like we didn't we didn't go to church. My mom always said, you know, you don't need to be in a church to whatever do your smart. thing and, and pray and stuff like that and yeah. and I always wondered I was like why are all these you know in Dauphin there's there's a ton of churches the more, and they're yeah. big and beautiful and well built and I was like why do they need to be so fancy and spend so much money on these churches and then you hear you know growing and then of course you know grow up and everything and I don't really again pay too much attention to religion I, I do consider myself spiritual uh, I do have a spiritual connection, and I do believe there is, uh, yeah. you know, intrinsically there is a there is a force, and there and I believe we are all kind of our, our own creators and our in our own sense. But you know, just looking at, um, I've seen a lot of questionable things, like you, I mean, with stuff that gets swept under the rug that you know goes all the way back to the Vatican. You know, it's, all, and, it's a hypocrite. Basically, they're all hypocritical, and. and uh, your mom did the right thing. My mother forced me to go to church because, because being new Canadians, she wanted us to assimilate, right? Become yeah. Canadians every way possible. So my younger sister and I 
went to United Church as kids and grew up as adults, still with the United Church. Now the United Church basically lost me too because, in fact, in, in Dauphin, they just sold the United Church because okay. we can't keep up. And my wife and I sat on the board for many years and they can't keep up. Uh, it's empty. I mean, they're lucky to get three dozen people to show up uh, any given Sunday. All the other churches are the same. The only churches that have are are are, uh, are, uh, are uh, surviving this whole thing is the evangelicals ones. What you know, they basically came from the states. You know, mm-hmm. it's all an offshoot of the American evangelical movement. And they, the reason they keep coming is that the kids keep driving the parents because they use modern music on the stage. No, and yeah, that's yeah. why the kids, the kids are entertained. So it's an entertainment thing more mm-hmm. than religion, but it's a survival of the church of the people that are, you know, down south of the, these mega churches are all multimillionaires. I mean, what's that got to do with the religion, right? Nothing. Yeah. It's, it's about making, it's about making money. So that's, yeah. that's the, uh, that's the, the pattern they, they all try to follow, you know, build a big building, fill it full of people, make lots of money. I mean, it's, and in this town, uh, we have over a dozen churches. Uh, I'll bet you within a decade, they'll all be, most of them be empty. And all the big churches are all now having the same problem. They can't, can't, uh, the, the church generation all dying off. I'm, I'm a baby boomer. So I'm, yeah. I'm probably one of the last of the church goers. And I haven't gone to church since I've been going to Ottawa. I haven't been going to church at all. Yeah. Uh, I still, I still give them money because they have bills to pay. But other than that, um, the only reason I give money, money, I give them money, is, and I tell them, don't send it away to mission. Pay your bloody bills at home. Yeah, mm. you know. Yeah. And uh, that's the only reason I give them money, and I get a tax deduction. Yeah, <laughs> that's my motive. My motive <laughs> is the tax deduction. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are going to be looking for a lot of ways to have some tax deductions for this past year. That's that's for sure. Yeah. I know at least that's the theme. But yeah, no, it's very interesting. I know my uh, I had one I had one aunt on my father's side that wanted to take me to to Sunday school or something. It was and I my mom was livid, <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't understand why she was kicking and screaming almost that it would not let me go. And it was like I said, really really interesting perspective to kind of to kind of grow up grow up like that and and to to, to not kind of have that in my life but still kind of come to a spirituality um really hone in on my spirituality later in life you know i always considered myself um spiritual like i i was kind of free to free to study everything back then you know back i was able to you know i i I looked at buddhism i looked at witchcraft and paganism and 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 then heck i was working at kfc there on the corner inky and i remember my boss got back from new orleans and he gave me the satanic Bible and a voodoo doll as like my souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I read and I read that too, and it, you know it didn't phase me. I was like, oh, all right, cool, all right, learn something else, you know, learn whatever, and kind of take a, you know, just have a smorgasbord of, of learning and whatever we everybody else is kind of into. But like I said, that um, it's just it's we like need a, to do that. We need to you know, need to keep our minds open and. I guess that's what I did when I first went to college. I took a, a world religion course and that opened my eyes too. And you yeah. realize that, you know, every culture, you know, create their own religion. 
for their own purpose, for their own culture. But it's the all, bottom yeah, line is basically, other than Buddhism, it's probably control. Most of the other ones that have buildings and structures, it's usually control, you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, they say that kind of like the, like the saying, like one truth, many songs. Like there, there's some sort of... Right some sort of truth in there and everyone kind of plays it differently, but there's, there's similarities that you can find um, throughout many religions, you know, which I, which is, which is interesting. And then there's of course um, another book that comes out, but then there's the talk of, you know, that, uh, you know, Jesus was in fact a, a psychedelic mushroom <laughs> and they were actually going and, and eating and going and eating mushrooms and, and talking about it and, and writing their books. So, I mean, it's just, so many different takes on, on on the origins and where all that began, but I mean it's it's something again, like I said, that I think was again used as like you said control. Yeah. Well, even the even the even simple you know statement like you know it took it took over three hundred years to put the Bible together. You know, imagine how much is created or lost in those three hundred years, right? Yeah, yeah and we, and who's it's, to it's know? Pretty hard to. Nobody knows. I mean, and yet some of these religions, especially the evangelicals, they believe in literal, the literal truths of the Bible. I mean, every, anybody that reads the Bible, they come up with their own interpretation. But so what's lit, what's literal truth, right? Yeah, yeah. and then and then you go back to all the you know the leaders um, beforehand. Yeah. If you if you if you go back, you know, like I said, like the. How much, how much have you know the the billionaires that we don't know about that are pulling the strings at the at the very top no. that have that have changed things and rewritten things from way before any of us can remember. No. Um, very 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 interesting very interesting stuff. Anki, but before I don't want to keep you much longer. It was it's been a very um, insightful and incredible call, call. I don't want to I don't want this to turn into a Joe Rogan three hour podcast, but I feel like I could definitely. <laughs> okay. I definitely feel like I could talk to you that long, uh, but I don't want to take up much more of your time. I mean, if you're open to it, we can definitely circle back on another podcast in the in the future. But I just want to uh, sure. any any other any other thoughts or anything that you want to say or anything that's um you know that you that you have planned or anything that you want to that you want to talk about here as well. I want to give you a platform to say your piece because you know what you are you are absolute fire on Twitter and I am so glad that I had found you there on, on Twitter. And, um, you know, I just want to give you um, um, a chance here to, to say anything else that you want to maybe perhaps get off your chest or make anyone aware of that uh, you've come across any news as of late. Well, how, how did you manage to catch me on Twitter? I, you know, some, I think someone might've retweeted one of your tweets and it got into my feed. Yeah. Yeah, it's how that happened. I've been I've been uh, shut down by them probably six, seven, eight times already. You know, oh, really? I don't know. Well, I don't know how why they would do it, but it's it's always the same excuse they give me why they shut it down. But but I always come back. You know, oh, most God. of my followers all come back. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, for me, being an educator, that's how I see all the social media stuff. Basically, it's just to uh, get people to start thinking, even if the information is not 100% correct, at least think through it, you know, at least be aware of it. And that's really my whole purpose of spending, you know, hours and hours every day on social platforms. Uh, that's, 
So it makes my life interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 You definitely. You definitely have a. You definitely have a shaken up a lot of things on there on Twitter with a lot of the a lot yeah. of the articles that you've shared. Um, a lot of the yeah. information that you're sharing there on on your Twitter. I know if anyone wants to uh, find you on Twitter, your handle is Inky underscore Mark. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Simple. So, yeah. so I can find you on yeah. there. Um, and a lot, of, like I said, a lot of the a lot of the news that you're sharing on there, a lot of eye-opening things. Um, when is when is the election in Canada anyway? Well, the prediction is maybe spring, but I I think the longer it drags, the better the chance that Trudeau will get defeated because eventually I think he's starting to run out of money already. So, uh, you know, to 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 me. His big plus is sending out money to people, and people don't care. So once, once the, you know, the old saying, the shit hits the fan with no more money, you know, we lost sixty-three thousand jobs this last month. Uh, he thinks everything is going to be fine, you know, next this year. Well, nothing's going to be fine the way things are going for probably another couple, two, three years, maybe even longer, you know. Yeah. If if people if we're all still uh, in the same mode of thinking that uh, governments are doing the best for us and people don't stand up and start questioning why all this stuff is happening, then we're basically just uh, all victims victims of, of all the governments of the world, I guess, basically perpetrated by the the rich, which is which is that's. That's mankind, I guess. The rich yeah. have always controlled everything in life, so they have, and I, I don't understand why it's so hard for some people to believe that our governments really cannot that <laughs> cannot be trusted in 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 many ways, and that that no, they actually don't have our best interests in mind. They have their pocketbooks and their own, in, yeah, in their mind. own their own pockets. Yeah, basically, that's 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 the problem, and yeah. I don't know how that's going to ever change. You know, other than other than rewrite all the rules for electioneering, uh, like in the states, there has to be some kind of control on spending, which we do in Canada. Uh, even even with that, the the governments are still, you know, even with Harper. I don't know if you remember or read that he came up with an in and out scheme about, you know, giving me money and then taking it back and claiming it and. You know, I I refused to become part of it, and I basically told them to get lost right off the bat. But they did, and actually, they found out that uh, it was all illegal. There was over two dozen of the caucus members got involved, but they didn't even get their hands slapped. <laughs> you know, they did investigation with Harper was guilty of this this you know illegal move. You know, yeah, creating money which he shouldn't have had, and you know, and because. As you know, uh, the, politics, the, the world of politics, they protect themselves within mm-hmm. their own circle. And uh, that's why you'll find down the states the same thing. You know, uh, if you're rich and, and famous and, you know, you can put a get away with murder, basically, almost. Yeah. We are. <laughs> no, di- no different here in this country. It's the same. If you're yeah. somebody and you have money, you're... You can basically do almost almost anything. Look, look at all the sexual scams that are going on now. You know, uh, 
Peter Nygaard from Winnipeg, you know. He's yep. still in jail in Winnipeg. Look at all his. I mean, he's no different than some of the ones down south, you know. Yeah, and I mean, as, as Nygaard, and that was a name that I constantly, you know, was familiar with living in Winnipeg yeah. when I started modeling down there and would always hear the, the rumors and stuff. And then, but then I'd be, oh, well, look, uh, look what he's done. And he's beautified this and that. And it's just, it's just really interesting. And I mean, he's, he's got, he's down there on the island, you know, that, yeah. that whole, that, that, that belt, <laughs> that, that, that belt. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That down there with, with all, with all of them. And, you know, I think, um, I think there's a lot more at the at the macro uh, of of that world and the underbelly of that world that we are just don't have any clue about, yeah. you know. And they, they keep I think they keep us distracted with you know the the divide and all this other petty stuff and everything yeah. to keep us out of each other's throat and keep us distracted. But I mean, meanwhile, you know, there there is. Some some really really nefarious things going on. I think uh, at that level uh, at that level of of power and control. And and what do you? I often think like, what does what does a person? How does a person feel like someone that's that has that much money, that much power, that much control? Like what what goes through their head? You know, exactly. They, well, you know, they, people have been operate? complaining about him since. Peter has been, uh, people have been complaining about Peter since the 1980s. That's a long time ago. Because he's a man of uh, power and money and influence. Uh, No one leaves the complainers. The Americans have many good examples of that, right? Mm -hmm. And the other, the biggest uh, issue that irritates me about Trudeau is that, you know, after the election, his wife separated and she left him. Uh, after she found out that he had sex with uh, two underage girls where he was teaching in in Victoria. (gasps) I heard about that. Yeah. And he paid them off with a non-disclosure agreement. Now, I I tweeted, I said, how can a man, you know, uh, have sex with an underage, which is criminal, which is, which is a, a felony, yeah. Uh, and get away with it because yeah. he's Trudeau. Yeah. And on top of that, he pays these girls out and no one can say anything about it. What kind mm-hmm. of a bloody justice system do we have? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, there's no answer, but I, once in a while, I was keep repeating it. it. It's just pathetic. So what sets him, he's like Trump, what sets him above the law, right? Yeah. Uh, he shouldn't be above the law. Well, no, well, no, I mean, yeah, well, and, and no one, no one is, but I mean, the, the fact of the matter, it really does. Like money talks, and that's so crazy that you bring that up because I absolutely remember um, that news, that story, and it was like I said, it was like a whisper, whisper in the night, and then it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and, and this was, yeah, it just disappeared. It just, and that's, you know, we have the same problem in this country, the same problems, yeah. And he's in and and, thank and friends with all the same guys too. So and all yeah, the photos he's been with. Yeah. <laughs> well, our our finance minister Marno, well, no, he should have he should he should be in jail. You know, he should be in jail for uh, you know for the scams he uh, pulled off in the stock market as being a finance minister. You know, 
Mm. But he got away with it. And now Trudeau is promoting him to become some international, sit on some kind of a board at the UN International. Why? Why is he doing this? He's just a civilian now. So why are we yeah. spending money promoting him? You know? Absolutely. Everything he does is just, it's just crazy. So, but the problem is people don't read today. Most people don't watch TV. So so they keep keeps the people ignorant in the dark. And, well, and yeah. Just, and then, I mean, what, everything he, is okay. You know? And if he has the so, power of the thing is, once you once you buy off the media, once you have the power of the media, and this is something that I, you know, working in social media marketing and being involved with that and seeing how, <laughs> things work from that level and seeing how things work yeah. from like the, the acting industry level and the fitness industry level where it's, you know, there's so much, it's just, it's a, there's a lot of deception, right? And I mean, it's um, right. the headlines. And I mean, even if they were to have it in the headline, you know, they, they could spin it whatever way they want in the article that, you know, the, the, they're going to take the heat off of him anyway. And that's what's right. really deceptive about the media is that whoever, whoever, bought, whoever, owns the media, you know, has got a buttload of control as far oh, as amazing. the narrative and the thought. And that's what I mean, like, as far as media goes, even whether it's Canadian or American, like, you got to take that thing, like, never mind, you got to take that with a bucket load of salt, let alone a teaspoon of salt oh, yeah. sometimes. Because they know, they give it a, they give it a fear and shock headline. And most people don't have the time to read and they will go and bury the real information or the real truth. Right of the story at the bottom of the article and someone yeah. just reads the headline, they're you know, on the sky train or on the bus to work and they read yeah. the headline, catch it, okay, I'm good, I'm caught up on the news, you know, uh, yeah. oh, okay, Trudeau's been clear, this is fine, oh, it was just this, oh, okay, and they don't yeah. investigate further past that. I know, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, well, so I guess my, yeah, anyways, thank you for, uh, making a request to do this it's it was a lot of fun and you know met somebody from home so yeah <laughs> i know it's, it's like i said it's like it's um i i have nothing but great great memories of of you there as as a mayor in dawson and and back in yeah. the in a teacher and everything so i mean this has been absolutely wonderful to catch up um, you know, my 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 show is always open to you in the future. If there's anything that you ever want to speak on, um, definitely let me know. But I want to thank you so much for your time today, Inky, and I wish you and your wife and your family nothing but health and love and happiness for the new year. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I'll just leave with you. If, if you want to do this again down the road, just just. Uh, just uh, text me through the Twitter thing and we'll do it again. Sounds great, Inky. Okay. Thank okay, you so much. Okay, you have much. a great day and stay safe. Okay. You too. Take Bye. care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast. Oh